Guys, welcome back to another episode of Casual Sports Fans. This time we're going through the tight ends, and I mean, I would I wouldn't really call this identifying players that we like and dislike per tier. We're pretty much just gonna run through the tight ends. There's not as many of them, and let's just say we have some very contrasting opinions about when to draft tight ends and who we're drafting this year. So this is Evan and Andrew, and here's the intro. PPR, but we're also going to give shout outs in full PPR because we recognize that that is an extremely popular format in my preferred personal format. Um, so, Evan, is there any disagreement about Travis Kelsey at number one? And where are you willing to pick him? Um, I'm not going to disagree about Travis Kelsey at one. Obviously, with um, Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey is going to be the clear number one. I'm not exactly sold in the MVS or Juju, so Kelsey should be getting an influx of targets. And should have potentially more opportunity in the past years. It's hard to say because Kelsey's put up some of the best tight end numbers. Has put up tight end one after tight end one after tight end one. So it's hard to say that he's going to get more than maybe 134 targets. But there is the potential because of the vacated targets that could really go anywhere in this Chiefs offense. No one really knows. And I think his floor is pretty safe. Looking at when to take him, I think it's pretty tough because I haven't really been taking him over the top tight ends and even I've been taking you the guys the top running backs. top running backs and I have even been taking um a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase over him. So I consider taking him in PPR formats especially maybe probably the end of the first is what I'd say. Maybe the tenth or twelve range is when I first consider it. But I would prefer um any of the top running backs including probably Joe Mixon, um as well as um Chase and Jefferson over him. So I first of all I'm not I just want to throw this out there. I'm not extremely worried about Kelsey's age. Tight ends yes. uh, take longer to break out. They get better with age. And Kelsey isn't the type of tight end where he's invited, <clears throat> where he's inviting contact like Rob Gronkowski. He's not a blocking tight end either. Like Kittle. He's more of a finesse tight end like Tony Gonzalez. You know, he stays in open space. He's very, uh, I don't know, agile. Is the, I don't know if that's even the right word for it. But... I am a little bit more on the boat of Kelsey is the safest tight end. Um, and I am willing to pick him a little earlier than Evan. So I'm willing to pick him after. So we're looking at the top running backs. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Dallin Cook, Najee Harris. After those top six running backs, I am a full go on Kelsey. And then in terms of the wide receivers, it's Cup, Jefferson, and at the moment, I'll probably say I'll pick Jamar Chase over Travis Kelsey. Uh, but after those three and those six, so I'd say pick right about what Evan was saying. Pick 10, I'll pick Kelsey. Um, I think he's a great player that you could pair with a running back. If you have that late first-round pick, you pair him with a guy like Joe Mixon or DeAndre Swift or Aaron Jones or Leonard Fournette. Well, Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones are going a little later, but you get my idea. So I am a little... I'm just a titch higher than Evan on Kelsey, but we pretty much agree. And, you know, that's how it is with Kelsey. So the next 
he's like in a tier of his own, but Mark Andrews is kind of the consensus number two tight end. And so a lot of debates going on with Mark Andrews because we don't know if we're going to see the 2019 version, the 2020 version, or the 2021 version. So 2019 version, Mark Andrews was pretty good. 2020, his production dipped greatly. He was averaging 50 yards a game. He was very touchdown dependent. But then 2021, he went off. The Ravens passed the ball a ton because their backfield was in shambles right before the season began. Tyler Huntley came in and threw him the ball a ton. So what are we to expect from Mark Andrews and where are you willing to draft him? Um, In my tight end tiers, it's a bit interesting because even though in the tier one, we see five players, I only... I mean, you could say Andrew's tier for zone, but I have Kelsey and Andrew in my first tier as a two-player tier because I think you should view Kelsey and Andrews pretty similar to each other because, once again, I think Andrews is guaranteed a lot of targets. And while he is a tight end, he put up 153 targets last year. And we talk about a top wide receiver going away. Marquise Brown is gone, and they didn't pick up a, like a really high wide receiver. And you can maybe say some of his targets will go away to the running game being better with potentially Dobbins being back in the first few weeks, as well as Gus Edwards being back, as well as Rashad Bateman going up. But I think that Andrews should still have that high of a target share if maybe not, like maybe five to ten more targets. That's a lot of targets for a tight end, but it's not out of the range of outcomes. So I think Andrews is a guy that will be good this year. I think he'll be around the tight end one conversation with Kelsey. But um, I don't know. I'm not like... I'm not the most aggressive in targeting Andrews. Like, I won't go up to the first round. Some people are willing to make a first-round pick on him. But starting around the early second round, too, I think if you can get him in the middle of the second round, that's an amazing pick. In some leagues where people don't understand he was a tight end one last year, you can maybe get him there. I used to be so... This is, by the way, the one time this will ever happen. I think Evan is willing to pick a tight end sooner than me. I know, crazy. If you guys know us at all i am so bullish on picking tight ends earlier i love getting one and i'm not even just the greater late like i'll just pick you know the middle tier guys i'll pick you know the high to mid tier so like the next tier when we go over it's kyle pitts darren waller and george kittle like i am just uh i'm willing to get a tight end and gamble and see if they can end up as you know a top one guy but in this case, I'm a little bearish on Mark Andrews, and I don't think he's going to regress all the way to 2020. And I do think that he is going to have a ridiculous target share. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to come back as a force this year. But the Ravens had a ridiculous number of pass attempts last year, and they want to go back to 2019 numbers. And that is a huge drop-off. I want to pull up the... uh, Okay, I'm going to pull up the numbers really quick. But the point is, when I'm looking in the second round, I would rather have a guy like... And I think Evan would agree, like Stephon Diggs or C.D. Lamb. And Mm. at this point, with the Chris Godwin news of we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, I might take Mike Evans. And We're talking about half PBR. I might take Mike Evans over Mm, Mark Andrews. I it, listen. I might actually do it, and then in terms of running backs, you go down the list. Like I'll take Aaron Jones. I'll take Leonard Fournette. You know, I don't think I would take like Alvin Kamara with the impending suspension. I wouldn't take Nick Chubb with the impending Deshaun Watson suspension. I wouldn't take Javante Williams or Saquon Barkley or James Conner. So, but if I see Aaron Jones or Leonard Fournette there, I am picking them no doubt. If I see Stephon Diggs, if I'm seeing C. Lamb, I pick them no doubt. Mike Evans. 
I may also. After that, I'll pick Mark Andrews. So that's kind of late second round. And that's not a that's not a crazy take at all. It's not a hot take. It's just a hot take that Evan is just slightly more bullish on a tight end than I am, which never happens. I mean... is actually crazy. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not coming out with that many mock drafts with Andrews because he seems to go a bit higher. There is a guy like a Diggs or Jones. But also... On the point of the running backs and the Ravens shifting to the running game, I think it's a heavy possibility. But early on, um, with the rumors I've been hearing, I'm a huge J.K. Dobbins guy, but some people think he could be on either the PUP list or come back starting maybe week four or five. Gus Edwards is also coming off an ACL injury. Will he be back at the beginning of the season? It seems like he will, but will he be at 100%? Probably not with the timeline of Edwards. So they may not be at a luxury to start the season um, going at the running style that they're looking for. And even once they get into the middle parts of the season, um, their preferred option in running back, J.K. Dobbins, still might be recovering from his injury. So um, they may be forced to pass the ball more, but once again, um, I haven't been really getting as much Andrews. I, I like I like him as a player. It just it seems like there's a few guys in the range I just pick more. In 2020, over 15 games, Lamar Jackson only attempted 376 yeah, but that passes. Was- that running back core was like with the it was Edwards Dobbins Ingram. That running back core was big. oh yeah no that, totally like, the yards were carrying that running back core was nuts. I had but, Dobbins okay, here. He was good. okay, but we agree that Tennessee is a run first offense, right? Yeah, I mean, and Henry. Derrick Henry in twenty twenty was ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. So we had the greatest running back in the NFL with his two thousand yard season, right? Or did he he reached two thousand? Yeah, he did. Thanks. So. In twenty twenty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he reached uh, two thousand. That offense with Ryan Tannehill attempted 481 passes. More than 100 more passes than the Ravens. The Ravens were that much lower, and that scares me so much. Like, yeah. so much. And and I think agree that they could get close. I also think another thing was that Lamar Jackson was putting up all-worldly rushing numbers, and after his injuries... I think he'll be good rushing the ball. He'll be the, probably the best quarterback in the league, but did he rush for 1,000 yards that year? Yeah, he did. That's not going to happen again. I think he can hit up to maybe... He's projected for over 1,000. But you think after the injuries, the Ravens will go and... Like, I, I am okay, huge on Lamar in fantasy, but... for like 900 right now. I just checked. That, that's, that seems a bit high to me for like... Like, I think the Ravens, with Lamar in mind, like, he signed a contract. He signed a pretty hefty contract, no? Yeah, he hasn't signed it yet. He hasn't signed... But... He should. The Ravens are smart. He should sign a pretty hefty he hasn't contract. He signed the contract yet. I'm He's assuming rep- he. I'm. I'm pretty sure. Sh- don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's him and his mother that like represent himself. So I think that's part of the reason that, that it's kind of like taking a bit. Okay, 2019. Lamar Jackson over 15 games attempted 401 passes. So obviously in 2019 his. Everything was more efficient, right? I mean, like, we're talking about, let's see, 7.8 yards per attempt. Well, obviously, that year he had 1,200 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns on top of 36 passing touchdowns. Lamar's so Ridiculous numbers, right? 2019 Lamar was absolutely ridiculous. Let's see, I'm looking at 7.8 yards per attempt versus 7.3 yards per attempt and 26 touchdowns. So, yeah, you see that regression mainly in the passing where he lost 10 touchdowns. He lost 0.5 yards per attempt, which didn't make a ton. But the point is... I'm just scared that even though Mark Andrews is going to have a large piece of the pie, that the piece of the pie is going to be a little small. And 
that's just those are my final thoughts. So mm-hmm. if you, uh, say your last words about Mark Andrews, and then we'll head to like the next tier of guys. I I, I think that's all. I think we've 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 got most of the stuff on Andrews there. Yeah. So the next tier of guys, at least in our opinion, and I feel like the general fantasy community views these guys in a tier is Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, and Darren Waller. That's how they're listed right now, and all three of these guys are different they have different ranges of outcome so evan first of all right now and say if it's different for half ppr versus ppr how do you rank these three players first right off the bat okay so i'm gonna be different than most people and uh, okay so pretty much i actually have kyle pitts in a tier of his own most people are gonna disagree with me i am at three in a tier of his own and i have kittle and waller at tier three at four and five but i'm not really taking either of these guys um i'm gonna talk about pitts first once we talk about Kittle and Wall, we can talk about maybe some more differences there and why I dislike both of the players, and I see a lot more concerns with both those players than a Pitts. And weirdly, Pitts is the last tight end I see with any sort of upside. I can get into this later. I don't see much. Like, most years you see the maybe tight ends, some tight ends, like, five beyond with upside to be, like, a top two guy or actually perform at a high level. Kyle Pitts is the only guy I really see with that type of upside for production because last season... Um, I think he, he put up over 1,000 yards as a rookie tight end. You can say what you want about that offense, but rookie tight ends just don't produce. The reason we were scared of Pitts last year is because rookie tight ends don't produce. They're never good. So the fact that a rookie tight end put up those type of numbers shows that Pitts is extremely talented. And I, you can I think it's a very strong argument that he's a top three receiving tight end right now because he's pretty much a wide receiver in tight end's body. So that with the fact that he's going to be the top receiving option in this offense. You can say what you want about Drake London, but Pitts is going to be that guy. I see him as the, in my opinion, people are going to disagree, the clear three that is far, I'm not going to take him too high. Obviously, he's much below Kelsey and Andrews, but I see him much above Kittle and Waller. And I'll take him in the mid to late third if the value you're seeing at running back or wide receiver isn't what you're hoping for because that happens there is a bit of a weak spot so i'd prefer some of the third round running backs over pits but if those third round running backs that i like are gone i can i'll take them for sure by the way one mid third round running back that evan likes just to clarify for the listener cam Akers. yeah um, like some of the Akers montgomery crowd james connor is a bit earlier but if you can find him there connor yeah so i by the way, when Evan said mid to late third round, he is in a league with me where he does have a middle third pick. So I am fully under the expectation that he is going to pick Kyle Pitts in the third round in that league. Uh, like, I'm not. I haven't, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't really looked into third. Yeah. I did say, I clarify, if some of the third round running backs are there, I'd probably yeah. go to that e- front. Evan's but. like a Dave Richard from CBS. He'll pile oh. on the running back. Well, I hate Dave Richard, but don't put me in. <laughs> with him, but yeah. Okay, so in the- <laughs> I have these guys a little closer together than Evan does, and I think it's because they serve different roles. So I have it in the order of Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. So I have Kyle Pitts first because I do agree that I think he has the best upside. And I've learned my lesson a little bit with tight ends that it's not as much about the team and more about the player itself and how talented that player is. 
And we learned that lesson when me and Evan had our very original George Kittle versus Trey Burton argument. I said that George Kittle was going to be better because he was on a better team, and Evan said Trey Burton was going to be better because he was a more talented tight end. And then the exact opposite happened. Kittle was better because he was uh, Kittle was better because he was a better player, and Burton sucked. But the Bears, um, but the were, Bears before, yeah. were good that year. So you just have to. Tight ends, I think it's more about talent than team, and I'm a huge, like, team guy. Uh, so I'm putting Kyle Pitts at three because I do agree. He, he just does have the immense upside. He is, like, a tight end that just plays wide receiver, and he is just so talented, like, once-in-a-generation type talent, right? Um, but he does have a downside, and that downside is the fact that whoever's at quarterback between Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter could throw a total of, like, 20 touchdowns over the entire year. The Falcons, you may say, oh, they can't get much worse than last year. They can. And they probably will. Not, okay, maybe not probably will, but I'm just saying going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter, I mean, yeah, who knows? It could get better because they did suck last year, right? But it's not guaranteed they like could get worse there is room for this offense can, to get can i worse. give my rebuttal that i think one thing you have to look at is let's say they do get worse kyle pitt scored one touchdown last year Are you expecting a player of the size and just like talent of kyle pitts to get zero touchdowns like let's say he puts up similar yards as last year maybe a few more receptions because he's going to his second year you, you let's say he gets three touchdowns that's still better than last season and that Puts him as a top five tight end at the least. You know, you, you gotta go. What I'm saying with that. Okay. But like he's like the t- like him being on a bad team is bad. But he scored one touchdown last year and he was still productive. And with the positional advantage at tight end, it sucks that he's on a bad offense. But if you look at last season's stats and how he produced, it can really only go up if not stay the same. In a worst case scenario, like let's say he somehow scored two touchdowns, which shouldn't happen. That's one more than last year. You know. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, but listen, the point I'm trying to make is that Kyle Pitts, he played 17 games last year, which helped his overall season finish. In terms of points per game, he wasn't that good. If, okay, are we looking at, do you want me to pull up half PPR or PPR? Um, we can go half PPR. I mean, his receptions okay. weren't the best Half PPR. Year. You got Mark Andrews at 14.6 points per game. You got Kelsey at 13.6 points per game. Okay, then you got Gronk next. He's retired, at least at the moment. Then you got Kittle at 11.6. Dalton Schultz at 10. Then you have Hawkinson at 9.6. Waller at 9.6. Dawson Knox at 9.3, which you'll see regression there, obviously. Dallas Goddard at 9.1, who lost Zach Ertz, but now gains A.J. Brown. But A.J. Brown doesn't get a ton of receptions. We may see Devontae Smith emerge. That's kind of a wild card. But, you know, obviously he's not going to be as good as Kyle Pitts. Logan Thomas, let's just discount. He only played five games. Hunter Henry, 8.7 points per game. Zach Ertz, 8.5 points per game. Then you get to Kyle Pitts at 8.4 points per game. So if he were to score, let's say he scores six touchdowns this year, because let's be real, he's probably not scoring double-digit touchdowns with how bad the Atlanta Falcons offense is. If we were to add five times six, that's... Uh, 30 points, but we'll say that he scored how many more? We'll say he got like 20 more yards and he got five more receptions. 20 and five? How many, how many, like, 
No, no, I'm saying just in terms he, of touchdowns, not in terms of other production. Oh, okay. Just in terms that of... That 68 receptions has 30 to... Will for sure go up. Plus, we'll give him... Losing Gage. We'll give him Who's the points. other top target. We'll give him... Um, all I'm saying is you see an increase if you just see him go, which, by the way, your point is completely valid. He's not going to score one touchdown again. He's not Miles Sanders. He's not going to score zero touchdowns, right? Speaking of, Miles Sanders literally said, don't draft me in fantasy, and I couldn't agree more. I After I drafted him two years ago, Andrew's I was starting to like off. Miles Sanders after the comment. Dude, because he's totally right. Okay, point is, though, if you just increase his touchdowns by itself from one to six, you gain... Two points per game. So you get him up to 10.4 points per game, right? So all of a sudden, he is behind Mark Andrews, behind Kelsey, still behind Kittle, and slots in right b- before Waller, right? That's and also slots plus in Plus, right that's in his rookie Dalton season? Schultz. Plus, add some receptions. Like, okay, but that, that isn't sounding bad to me as like a... I know, I know. I'm just saying is... That's like, how, the, that's like the downside, kind of. How far up is his receiving yards going to go? Do you genuinely believe he's going to get 1,300 receiving yards? I think he'll I, I think he'll get be around the 1,100 to uh, 1,200 range. Not, well, it's not that 1,100 much only gives him 80 more. It's He's only getting 8 more points, which is less than half a point. Wait, no, no, no. Well, I think it will come on more receptions. I think the receptions may not be as good of receptions because the offense is going to be worse. But I do think he's just going to be fed. Listen, he's, yeah, he'll be fed in terms of target share, but his overall pie is going to be low because the Falcons are yeah, not but, a functional team. But, They're not going to be able but to if you think about, a lot if of passes. But if you think about Russell no, no, Gage, even, Cordero Patterson got a lot of targets last season. That's, I think Cordero, Cordero Patterson's Patterson. still there. It, he's old, he's he's where I, I think Cordero. Cordero more as a wide receiver now. Yeah, but Cordero Patterson's not a good wide receiver. He was just okay in his little running back wide receiver combo. I don't think... Like, you've seen Cordero Patterson, the wide receiver, role on the Bears just last year, and he was bad. He's not a good wide receiver. He's not talented as a wide receiver. He's talented as, like, a, you bring him out of the backfield, go, put him against one of your middle linebackers type of guy. He can't beat a corner. Like, he's doesn't he's not, doesn't have that type of route running, you know? Okay, okay. Let's say that Kyle Pitts gets 1,200 receiving yards, so yeah. a good— 80 uptick, receptions. Which— uh, 80 receptions, 6 I, touchdowns. Yeah, I pegged him. Yeah, that's why. That's exactly what I did on my calculator. I did that. those exact numbers. So we're seeing very healthy increases. Then, as, as, a, t- as a tight end would as going to sec- into the second year. 11.53 points per game, which still puts him behind George Kittle, still puts him behind Kelsey by a good chunk, and uh-huh. still puts him behind Mark Andrews. So Perfect. yes. Yes, perfect yes. three, and that's perfect because Kittle. I agree. By the way, I three. agree. I agree. I agree. That's why I have him slotted at three as well. All I'm saying is, if we see him score six touchdowns, get eighty receptions, which is a large amount for tight ends, and usually only the top two, maybe a third tight end reaches that number, and we see a good completion percentage by if he can get twelve hundred yards and eighty receptions. Well, no, you, he's a good completion percentage. Well, he's a good target rate. And the offense is able to get in the end zone and feed him the ball well. So it's not well. It's six touchdowns for, for a bit like six out of the twenty. Like I would say this is listen like the middle ground. Getting like tons and tons of. Kyle Pitts had one hundred ten targets last season. He, he just yeah, didn't produce it that much because he's a rookie tight end. Well, because he's a so that much that won't get much worse. Like one for sixty eight out of one ten, like. I know, I know. It's just that even though it's not going to get worse, it's just that I feel like people are slightly overestimating how much better it is going to get. Now, I agree. He does have the potential. That is why I 
will see myself drafting some Kyle Pitts this year. I will. I'll see myself drafting him, you know, it depends on who else is there, but probably early fourth round, right? I think he's a good value. I will enjoy drafting him. I just want to, all I'm saying is I want to slow the hype oh, yeah. just a little I, I think bit. Some people because people need to say, okay, well, he is bound to improve. Like, yeah, he's bound to improve. But it's just that he wasn't actually, like, that, that good last year. and if that, That's only, the part I disagree with. No, no, no. If you that's only, my, that's, no, no, no. He was good in the sense that he got over 1,000 receiving yards. I'm just saying, even if you just increased the touchdowns, he would still be behind a lot of these guys, and he wouldn't be worth the draft pick. Basically, what you're saying is you're assuming that his touchdowns get up to a healthy number, and he sees increases in his completion percentage, and he sees completion uh, increases in his target share rate. You see increases in his overall targets. You see his receptions bump up from 68 to 80. You see his... You know, all I'm saying is, if you want to see him return tight end three value, he needs to increase not only in touchdowns. That's just what I'm trying to say. People are like, okay, well, he'll get six touchdowns this year instead of one. Well, that's not the only thing that needs to happen for him to be worth a tight end three pick. If you told me that he's going to have every stat the same except he's going to have six touchdowns, give me Darren Waller. Like, I'm saying is you're betting on the increase which i am going to i just want to pump the okay. brakes just a little bit just a little yeah. bit but i do agree okay. he's my tight end three he's my tight end three i just want to pump the brakes just a little bit i'm good with pumping the brakes it just i kind of disagree with the argument for pumping the brakes in my eyes um we normally look at second year players as increasing so saying a player shouldn't like he's going to get better next year because he's so do you think jamar chase is going to be better next year well i think jamar chase put up well jamar chase is different than kyle pitts as in explain i think jamar chase will be better but how higher can you go in this Bengals offense like this with the falcons offense yeah because jamar chase had ridiculously high efficiency rates. while you also have t higgins you have jump there's just so many mouths to feed where jamar chase's efficiency like Kyle Pitts' efficiency was horrible last there's year. A, yeah, yeah. Jamar Chase is like his his to the efficiency. Yeah, my argument is that ceiling of efficiency of the general Atlanta Falcons offense that can deliver. Yeah, the ball. but one ten sixty eight from the target to reception. Like I'm saying, I don't think you should take Kyle Pitts over. Like take Kyle Pitts in the early third round is, and I'm not getting all Pitts in every draft. I'm just saying. That the argument that he won't be, no, he's I going see, to be better. I I'm I just see a lot. I just see a lot of people talking sure about second year much. players getting better. While Kyle Pitts, they assume that, that he's like a fifth year tight that end. Apply, and, that applies and that, to wide receivers a lot, by the way. Yeah, the it applies to wide third year stuff. Like, but that's why I just see like all these people talk about this players getting better in their second year. But with the Pitts argument, what I don't like is people acting like he was a fourth year tight end, and the only thing that's changing. Is the situation? Oh yeah, no, he's an emerging player. It's, he's he's also getting off yeah. season. It's, oh yeah, no, he has a lot of things going his way. It's just that the yeah. Falcons' offense. I, th- I think what ca- I think what caps him is, is going to be putrid. I think what caps him is the offense, and that's why you shouldn't draft him too high because there is, like, hit the offense isn't going to be good. So like, dude, okay, wait, wait, quick exercise. If Kyle Pitts was on the Chiefs instead of Travis Kelsey, how high would Pitts be drafted? How high would I take him? Well, obviously he'd be the number one tight end, right? Because Kelsey would be on the Falcons and Pitts would be on the Chiefs. I would, but I would take him, would take him, probably the young guy. The turn. I'd take him. I'd take him around the turn. 
You'd still take him at the same spot. I'd take him maybe a teeny bit lower than where Kelsey's being picked, really? but a bit higher than Andrews. I thought... Well, Kelsey, Kelsey's just shown so much... Produ- I mean, Kelsey has shown so much production year after year, where with know, the Pitts... Pitts he, doesn't have any age concerns. He's technically I mean, physically gifted. I, I love... Assuming that honest, he has the same it, rapport with it, the quarterback. We're not Let's talking... assume that he has the same rapport with the quarterback, okay? It's... I think it's hard to say. In Dynasty, even on the Falcons, I'm taking Pitts, like, first round easy. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I take no, him, like, Dynasty. top six, seven, eight picks because I believe in the... Like, I think Pitts will be a... In my eyes, a top three tight end for next like six, seven, eight years. Oh yeah, no, no. In Dynasty, Pitts is definitely a first. But like for the, sure. the exercise for this year, replacing with Kelsey, yeah, I, it's yeah, yeah. Kelsey's just I, I like we don't want to underestimate how weird. good Kelsey is. It's yeah. a little bit of a weird exercise. Okay, so next I have Darren Waller, and so I think Darren Waller is a basic tight end. I think he fulfills the role of hey, you know, I'm in the fourth, maybe fifth round or whatever, you know. And I want a safe tight end because I don't like the tight ends later. Maybe you're not comfortable drafting tight ends late as many people have become accustomed to and comfortable with. And I know Evan is very keen on identifying tight end breakouts. That's definitely one of his strong points. And I think he just has a very small range. I mean, he is going to end up somewhere from tight end three to tight end five. He'll get a healthy amount of receptions he will still have a somewhat decent target share it's definitely going to go down but the overall targets that the raiders are going to have like the the pie is just going to increase they're playing in a division where they're playing the chiefs chargers and broncos twice a year i mean and that's not even talking about the rest of their schedule all six of those games are very easily going to be shootouts. Maybe one against the Broncos, it'll be some weird low-scoring game. But we're talking about pretty much five guaranteed absolute shootout games. And to be fair, Devontae Adams hasn't caught a pass from Derek Carr in a game since they were in college together a decade ago. Like, we don't know what that rapport is going to look like. I think Devontae Adams will be good. I think Renfro might fade just a little bit. You know, he had quite a few touchdowns last year. He had nine. He kind of emerged when there was no one else in the offense to throw the ball to, and Darren Waller got hurt. So I think that Hunter Renfro will fade a little bit. But Darren Waller last year, if you look at his uh, completion percentage from Derek Carr last year, it was down to 59%. That number in the past has been in the low 70s. And as we know, Derek Carr is a quarterback that – conventionally has a pretty high completion percentage. Like he's kind of known for that. So I'm thinking that we see a natural uptick in Darren Waller's completion percentage, not only because we're seeing positive regression towards the mean, but because I think Devontae Adams is going to open up things. I mean, if you watched Raiders games last year, which I did because I did have Darren Waller, and then I eventually picked up Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller was being double covered, like a lot. So even though Derek Carr was like throwing the ball 20 feet over his head, He's throwing the ball 20 feet over his head because there are two guys on top of him. They can't do that with Devontae Adams on the field anymore. So I'm thinking that even though Darren Waller's total targets per game isn't necessarily going to see an increase, and it's going to see a slight downcrease actually, or downcrease, decrease, his efficiency in terms of catching the ball, in terms of yards per catch, his completion percentage, I think it's going to go up. And, you know, touchdowns, he's just kind of like a middle tight end in terms of touchdowns. He's nothing special. I don't expect Darren Waller to be a, a huge, huge touchdown guy. I think that especially he's a he's even more safe in PPR leagues. 
So I th- even in PPR, I still have Darren Waller behind Kyle Pitts because he lacks the certain upside because he has more competition for targets. But even in half PPR, I do think that he just has a safe flow of targets headed his way. And on a week-to-week basis, you know, his floor in half PPR is, you know, seven points. You know, that's the lowest he can go, really. So that's why I have him as at four, because even though he's not a sexy player, he's not exciting, he doesn't have a huge upside with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. I think the Raiders' offense is going to pass the ball a lot, and, Dar- and Darren Waller has shown himself as a consistent target, and we're going to see the efficiency go up next year for the reasons that I listed before. What do you think? I mean, Waller is not this year a player I'm jumping to get. I mean, for some of the reasons is obviously with Devontae Adams coming to the offense, and with the guy, I just see Waller's obviously known as a reception guy, but with... I mean, Hunter Renfro's receptions are going to go down, but Devontae Adams is also a guy that is known for racking up receptions. And also what Devontae Adams is known for doing is getting touchdowns. And you look at Waller last season, he only played 11 games, but he got two receiving touchdowns. And that that's, once again, it should progress towards a mean with, with Devontae Adams. He's going to catch so many touchdowns. So Waller, and with the touch, touchdown upside, isn't very high. On any given game, in every given day, I don't see his upside being really that high. I just see him as a guy. He'll be solid. He'll get some receptions. He'll maybe get you four or five touchdowns. He'll be maybe the tight end five. He's not going to win you any weeks. He might not lose it. That's not really a guy I'm looking to take. I think in the his range round. is a very safe tight end three through mm, five. I don't unless unless okay, four four. Five, I I like. think unless the rest of the tight. I just see maybe he gets a tight end three, but that just means the rest of the tight ends have sucked. I see Waller's upside, maybe eight hundred receiving yards. Four touchdowns, seventy-five catches, and like, is that really that great no, for a fourth-round well, pick, no, fifth-round no, no. pick? The one thing I'll disagree with is that his amount of receptions. He, I, I know we talked about target share, but he Waller is known. Games. What? He had fifty-five. I mean, even with great efficiency, he had fifty-five and eleven games last season. Yeah, but that was and, like a fifty-nine percent completion percentage. But, which, if you literally just moved it back to his regular usual like seventy-three percent, that's a healthy increase by itself I know but like with Devontae Adams like I'll look I at his know. stats from last year he'll get his receptions he had Darren Waller 123 59. 115 in the last two years that's am I wrong that that's led the NFL both years he's not gonna get that same number with no the Raiders, but he'll though. get like, like a, a, a 95 100 and then Hunter Renfro I'll look at last season it'll go down but he was still very healthy receiving numbers 103 they're both reception guys that's what they're known for oh yeah and Hun- yeah they're, they're known as guys that Adams. get Heavy, heavy receptions. And Waller will also do that, but they're all... I just want to add that Waller in 2020 had 145 targets with a 74% completion rate. So if we're... Which is... Uh, what was the wide receiver competi- competition that year, though? It was it was nothing, right? Who was the, who was the wide receiver one? Was that was Ruggs the wide receiver one? Was it... Was Ruggs even drafted at that point? Maybe not. Is though hundred and seven receptions right there. I just I just see with the with Renfro and Adams the year before ninety receptions with a hundred. But the wide receivers targets. were targets. The receivers were just not of the caliber of a Devonta Adams and of a Hunter Renfro receptions wise. He just was not really competing against anyone else. It, it's it seems like this year he'll be solid. But if you're taking him, what round are you taking? The year before, late four. You're taking him as a late four. As, the year before, Darren Waller, 170. But do you want me to find the wide receivers on the? Do you want me to find the wide receivers on those teams though? Like, 
there is absolutely no competition. There, there's, there's nobody. He is the offense. He's the whole receiving game. Like when was this was after Amari Cooper went to the Cowboys? No. Las like, Vegas Raiders. I'm gonna find. Like the Raiders have the Raiders have had a thousand yard receiver since Amari Cooper's left and Waller was in those seasons. I don't. Well, yeah. Unless Renfro hit that last season, I don't think they have. So Renfro hit it. Other than Renfro. And last season were... 2019, it was Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams, Zay Jones. Zay and 2019, Renfro so had yeah. 49 receptions. And Zay... So, Hunter... In 2020, it was Aguilar, Renfro, Henry Ruggs. Come on. Like, like listen to these wide receivers. These... Devontae well, Adams... Well, to be fair, is, Hunter Renfro is still there. It's basically just... But, he, but in those years... For Devontae in, in those years, Renfro had 49 in his rookie year and then 56 in his second year. That That's not really taking away from... All I'm saying is is if his efficiency has to go up. Like, it has to. He cannot go from 73% Oh, no, I agree. To 77, all the way down to 59, and it's just not going to stay there. He's going to see a healthy amount of targets, and on a week-to-week basis, he's a safe pick. He just lacks upside, and I totally get that, because I get it. Out of your tight end, you know, you want to shoot for the moon. But realistically, your tight end's probably going to suck. And Darren Waller isn't going to suck. He's not just going to disappear because Devontae Adams showed up. He's not going to disappear and all of a sudden get like 60 receptions. He's still going to be there getting 80 receptions, which is a healthy number. He'll still be there getting 800 to 900 yards. Like, he is still going to be there. Like, it's just... He's not just going to abandon Darren Waller and be like, you know what, we're going to throw... 600 times over the course of the season, but Darren Waller, no, he's not going to get those 120 targets or those 110, no, no, not even 120. He's not even, he's not going to get the 100 targets. He's not going to get the 105 targets, you know, it's like, he'll he'll get that. All right, let's, I wasn't trying to do that just to get the last word in. We just need to move on a little bit. Um, Let's try to be quicker. Uh, George Kittle, I mean, Literally, if you look at previous numbers and points per game, he is ridiculous. He is by far, you know, he should be drafted. If you're looking purely points per game over the last three years, he should be drafted over Mark Andrews. Um, But there's two things holding him back, one of which is the fact that he is so good at blocking, that he blocks so much and he gets hurt and he puts his body on the line, which, I mean, he's doing everything to help his team win but he doesn't stay on the field all the time. His consistency week to week is also ridiculously bad. So if you're looking for a tight end where it's just like, listen, I want to throw him in my lineup in any given week, he could win me my week. That's what George Kittle is going to do. But he can also have a game where he gets you three points because you know what? Sometimes the Niners offense just is ridiculously unpredictable and they just decide to only run the ball that game or they'll only pass it to Brandon Ayuk. They'll decide to do that one game and then he'll never show up for the rest of the season. That's the crazy thing. Also, his numbers with Trey Lance last year were very bad. His target share when Trey Lance was on the field was just... a. Uh, it's... I don't know. The, it's terrible. I don't. I was trying to find the right word for it. So I have George Kittle over the next tier of guys just purely because of what we've seen him do in the past and how talented he is and how they're paying him a ton of money and stuff. But I cannot take him over Darren Waller or Kyle Pitts. Like, I just, I I do think that he is slightly below those two. Yeah, I agree with Andrew on most of those fronts. Um, I just kind of see the, especially the thing with Trey Lance and Kittle may not be an issue, but we haven't really seen him produce with the starting quarterback in that offense. 
and that is still something to be seen. Um, and because of all those reasons, I don't really need to add more same things as Andrews. I don't really have been ta- I haven't really been taking him in many drafts because I just see the value of many of the running backs and wide receivers and wherever he's going late fourth, early fifth, especially those wide receivers. Um, I, I feel just fine. I can go three or four rounds later and get a guy that won't be great, but I just don't see like Kittle being like he has upside week to week to be much greater than the next few tiers, but overall the whole season with the injury risk, just not a guy I really want on my team. Alright, so the next tier includes Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and Dawson Knox. So I feel like this is kind of a tier of, I mean, Dawson Knox, we don't really know because O.J. Howard is there now, so and we're expecting a lot of touchdown regression. So my personal tier is kind of the next, the top four guys, Schultz, Hawkinson, Goddard, Ertz. I feel like this is just the final tier before you really, those four guys, before you kind of fall off the cliff a little bit. Maybe Dawson Knox is a stepping stool off the cliff, but... You know, Schultz, Hawkinson, Goddard, Ertz, it's like you know that over the course of the year, they're going to get some level of production, and they're going to be a tight end one, meaning a top 12 tight end. As long as they stay healthy, I cannot envision these guys finishing outside of the top 12 tight ends, but they can get pretty darn close. So I feel like they're just kind of meh. What what do you think about these guys? I think they're just kind of meh, but sometimes in... Fancy drafts, especially with 10, I think you have to kind of take the meh. Because with me, I talked about how I'm not often going to take the top three guys, and I'm also not, I'm for sure not going to take Kittle and Waller. So sometimes I, the meh is what you're going to get, and some of these guys might go too high. If you see Hawkinson, Hawkinson may go, some people might like Hawkinson to see his talent and take him too high in an offense that has a lot of wide receivers that are going to need the ball. It just, I see this as a group of guys that are going to be meh, but you maybe want to take either the last of these guys. Or like you see it, like if one of these guys falls, they're not going to be great for you, but it's going to be a value. So I see myself, if one of this group falls to a good value, I'll take them and I'll be fine with it. But the only guy in this group where I would potentially target in a draft, not just be like, oh, this guy's falling Dalton to Andy Schultz. and Tennis, would be Dalton Schultz. I agree with that. And I don't see like insane upside with Schultz. I just see him being, like on a week-to-week basis, I see the best floor and I see the most I don't see any upside with these guys, but he is the most upside to be a top five guy. I can see Schultz based on a Kittle injury, something happening to Raiders offense. I can see him sliding in at five somewhere. With the rest of these guys, I see them being exactly where you're drafting them. Yeah, I mean, And you'll just take that. Hawkinson, he's emerging in terms of his age, and he is pretty talented. He was a top ten pick. But he has more competition for targets now. When he was drafted, Mm -hmm. they didn't have DeAndre Swift and Amandro St. Brown and Jamison Williams. Uh, they also added DJ Chark, but that's not a huge deal. Point is, though, it's not just the... It's no longer, oh, garbage time. We get TJ Hawkinson to get five uh, catches on the final drive of the game because they have no one else to throw the ball to. We're missing out on that. And Dallas Goddard, I think he does have some potential because I feel like we've seen some big playability, but I'm just so worried about how few times the Eagles are about to pass the ball this year and every single time they do pass the ball you know I'm talking AJ Brown we'll see a little bit of Devontae Smith I mean like he'll get some right like he's better than Pat Fryermuth, but I just there's not a lot there Dalton Schultz 
I think he's more certified slightly than the rest of these guys. I think he does have a carved-out role. We saw him successful last year, and with Amari Cooper officially gone, there are a few vacated targets, and I know vacated targets don't necessarily go to the tight ends, but what I'm saying is it provides a floor for him almost. That's what I think the vacated targets do. I don't think that they provide... Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it means that he's going to break out. I just think that it means that he has a certain floor because they physically do need yeah. people to throw the ball to besides C.D. Lamb. So I, I agree. I think Schultz is one of those guys that you can snag a little later because the top five tight ends went and people want to wait a little bit. That's kind of who I am looking at. Zach Ertz, it kind of just makes me sad knowing that DeAndre Hopkins comes back week seven. And it it's just... It's some competition for targets. Marquise Brown's there now. It's just like, okay, I know Christian Kirk left, but you get my point. You kind of agree with that. Uh, Dawson Knox, I mean, is yeah. there a lot of, I don't know. Just, I, I, I don't, yeah. I, just I, like I, an Eric Ebron where he just scored a ton of touchdowns. Yeah, no, I had him last year's season, but he's just so touchdown dependent that I think that if the touchdowns fall based on Stefan Diggs performing better than he did last season, which should happen to a certain level, Gabriel Davis has anywhere close to the breakout. Some of his biggest fans predict that might go into touchdowns. And if any of those touchdowns get taken away, his value gets taken away. I see him as kind of like a Tunyon of last season. Like you saw a Tunyon last season score by touchdowns. He's good, good offense. And then he was horrible. I mean, part of his injury, but I don't think he was going to be good anyways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I see him as kind of similar of that. So the next tier of players is Pat Fryermuth, Mike Gusecki, Cole Komet, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Robert Tanyan, Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby. Gerald Everett and Irv Smith Jr. So, Mike Gusecki has a lot of competition for targets. Cole Komet um, has no competition for targets, and he's pretty talented, but his team sucks. Hunter Henry, I guess... I mean, don't they still have... Who's... Jonu. Yeah, they still have Jonu there. They don't pass the ball a lot. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention Pat Fryermuth. He's just... We have no clue what he's going to do with the new quarterback in town, and... He's young, I guess, but he's more of a weekly uh, waiver wire option and hope he got you a touchdown. Noah Fant, uh, Seattle's going to be terrible. Robert Tanyan, yeah, there's vacated targets, but he's, like, recovering from an ACL. And, you know, Rodgers hasn't really thrown to the tight end a lot. Logan Thomas, Washington, we just have no clue what's going on there. Higby, competition for targets. Gerald Everett, competition for targets. Irv Smith, I think there's a bit... Uh, I actually think this one's decent. I think in the fantasy football community, if you listen to a podcast, someone's going to bring up Irv Smith and his potential. So, you know what? If you want Irv Smith as your backup tight end and because you think he's going to break out, I don't think he's a bad option. It's just we just haven't seen a lot from him. And, you know, there's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne and Dalvin Cook. You know, it's just hard. That's why I just like picking one of those top five tight ends, or let's say top six tight ends if we include Dalton Schultz. I like picking a top six tight end if I have the chance. Um, For me, when I see this tier, I see it as uh, people overdrafted tight ends, and you're at a spot where like you got better value elsewhere, and you're just going to take a few guys that maybe will be top 12-ish. I think the guys to really look at in this tier is for sure, I'm not the highest on Cole Komet, but I think with a tight end position, I'm not really high on this is, like, I feel like I'm not Cole really Komet's a hater decent. in most positions. I'm like, not a hater of Cole Komet. Like, I, no, 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 I'm saying just, like, in general, most, most positions, I love so many players, and in tight end, I like, like, maybe two or three guys. I just think tight ends aren't going to be anything special this year based off all these, like, different signings on their teams or, like, there being so much competition. Like, there's just so much went wrong for these tight ends in the offseason that I think if you end up 
with a cool command. The rest of your roster is so great. Or a guy that I don't think was talked about, David Njoku. He just got his bag. Um, I mean, Deshaun Watson could be out the whole season. and But, like, maybe the other quarterback likes passing to a tight end. And if they do, Njoku's Jacoby the guy. Jacoby Brissett. Maybe he likes passing to tight ends and Njoku's the guy. Maybe worth a late pick. We'll see how stuff talks about camp. Because in camp, if he's seeming to be the main tight end by long shot, maybe him. Irv Smith. I mean, you're betting on the Vikings' offense more than him as a player. That's I, true. A lot of people are betting, are betting on the Vikings' offense, so I'm not mad about that. So I, these are guys that occasionally, like, I, I like, don't get the end of the Schultz, Hawkinson, Goddard, Ertz, whatever, I, and I'll pick one of these guys. But don't go out of your way to take one of these guys. It's more of a, like a you find better value elsewhere. You take a Komet, Njoku, or Smith, and then maybe a waiver wire guy pops up. Maybe you keep them as a low-end tight end one. And you just think the rest of your roster. Because, like, the way I see tight ends this year is that other than, like, in my eyes, the top three guys, none of these guys are going to win you a league. And I see better value elsewhere unless you get, in it, like, a good value on one of these guys, except maybe Schultz. So that if you end up with one of these guys, that sh- your roster should look – you're hoping your roster looks great outside of it. And you can hope for either a waiver wire tight end or one of these guys just to – do enough on any given week. After Dalton Schultz, I don't think any of the guys are going to be a helpful reason as to why you won your fantasy championship. What you're doing is you're picking them and just hoping that they return top 10 tight end value and you just have a good rest of the roster because you're picking these guys because you picked other players in place of the top six tight ends. So you're winning because of the other tight ends, unless you just get really lucky. I know one year we had both Mark Andrews and Darren Waller break out in the same year, and both were extremely late draft picks. That was incredible. Um, we had a Kittle breakout year, right? So it's just like... Yeah, I mean... I, I We do see breakouts happen. It's just that don't be like, oh, I'm going to go into it because my goal is to pick the tight end breakout. No, you're picking these players because you believe that your roster surrounding them is better than the roster of the guy who drafted a tight end early. You're doing it because the rest of your roster should be good. Like, that's what your focus is on. I mean, I'm normally Mr. Tight End Breakout. It just, normally I see tight end breakout based off of just, like, reasons for upside, and I just don't see much upside out of these guys. And maybe, and once again, I don't like to be negative towards players because obviously they could surprise us, and I might be completely wrong. I'm not, like, the biggest expert of all time. It just when I look at the situations face versus the breakout tight ends of prior years, there was just so much more reason that these guys would um, become the breakouts that they were, and whether they were or not, because I've been wrong, I've been right, but I just don't see any of the reasons I would have been wrong or right about in some of these guys, and even going up to anywhere past three on my list, I, I, I just don't love anything enough to like, like I'm not going to be going out of my way to take very many tight ends, unless they're the, my top three guys. I'm going to be taking based off, this guy slipped, I, I don't love any of the, or I don't love any of the running back or wide receivers around here, and he'll fit on my roster enough. That's true. All right, any last words? I think that's about it. All right, guys, thanks for listening to that. I think that was truly a uh, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller video which to be fair those are some of like the more controversial guys in terms of they have some pretty besides you know maybe Kittle they have some pretty wide ranges of where they're going and they can be very important pieces to your draft or very important pieces
pieces to avoid an air trap. Thanks for joining us this time, and here's the outro.